This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley's pasture-raised chicken sticks. I'm super excited to share Paleo Valley's brand new pasture-raised chicken sticks. These chicken sticks are made from 100% pasture-raised chicken and organic spices that are preserved using natural fermentation rather than preservatives. So yes, no fake stuff or additives here. These chicken sticks are sourced from regenerative family farms raised on American pastures and each stick is free of chemicals, antibiotics, pesticides, and added hormones. Paleo Valley's chicken sticks are a perfect snack packed with 7 grams of protein and frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.com slash nwj and use code nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks again for listening and supporting this podcast. Hey guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Meeting Minute. This is, I think, episode number four, but we are going to talk about how to get started on a carnivore diet or like the best tips that we've seen with our clients and patients of what will allow you to be successful with carnivore long-term. We know that there are perfect rules and stuff that we can recommend, but we are just going to recommend the things that we have seen move the needle in allowing this diet to be more consistent and that you could do for the long term. So, Caitlin, why don't you share first your first uh, recommendation for carnivore? Diet? Yeah. So, my first recommendation is around social gatherings, especially after the holiday season or before the holiday season that typically comes up. And how can I possibly eat just meat sitting at the dinner table? Or what do I do? What What can I say? So, my biggest tip is always BYOB. Bring your own beef. I do it all the time. I bring a plate. I bring a meat charcuterie board. I'm always known for my meat and cheese boards. And it's because I like to know that I have food there. I always like to eat before I go or make sure that I'm at least fueled in some capacity. doesn't mean you need to overwhelm your body if you know that you will enjoy food there, but always have something a little bit going into it. So you're not hungry when you're there. If you think you're going to be tempted by the foods or the breads or those type of things when you get there. So always have a little snack and then bring something that you can also enjoy. So all of those things are good. And I do a lot of those same things. And I think that's great. So I always bring a dish that I know I can eat just in case there's nothing else there. What about the conversations? Um, And this can be opened up for both of you. What if Aunt Sally is saying, why can't you just eat my favorite pie that you eat every year? You only get to eat it once a year. It's not going to kill you. I mean, these harder conversations or how come you're just eating meat? You need a little bit of veg or fiber for your gut health. Uh, What about those types of conversations in these gatherings? I think it depends where you are in your journey. So when I first started a meat-based diet, I would keep the vegetables on my plate. I would grab the piece of pie on my plate. And I realized nobody was looking at my plate push them around, you know, not really have them or maybe have a small bit, the most I could tolerate and then call it a day. You know, it's just one night. Typically didn't get too many questions, but if Aunt Sally is coming at you, you could always say that, you know, you are on a healing protocol right now. Right now, those vegetables are against, you know, what your practitioner has advised you to do. And 
you know, you want to feel your best. So usually people don't come back at you if you tell them that, you know, it was a protocol that somebody else put you on, whether a practitioner or something else. That would be how I handle it. But at the start, I didn't say anything. I did just keep those things on my plate. Yeah, I try and keep things kind of light so people don't continue to poke. And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying something new. I haven't really been feeling that good recently. And so I'm trying this. Who knows? I might be doing it next time I see you. I might not. And I try and just like switch the topic. You know what I mean? Because in all reality, it's it's not overly their business anyway. Are we saying anything about the way they're eating? No. We might be thinking in their in our head, they don't really need that pie. But we're not saying it out loud. So, you know, we're trying to just keep our thing where we're not going to have the pie and we're not going to have the veg. I try and keep it light. Trying something different right now. I really haven't been feeling that good lately. Yeah, I think those are really good. When I used to work um, in corporate, there was always happy hour and people would be holding drinks. And then there was a period where people would say, and I think they felt their own shame of I'm getting tipsy and you're, don't, you don't have a drink in your hand. So I started just grabbing a glass and putting sparkling water in it. And it looked like I was drinking. And so then people felt more comfortable around me. And I think I did do that too, a few times, Caitlin, where I would just grab the veg and I wouldn't eat it so that it looks like I'm being like everyone else, but then I just wasn't eating. And then over time, I just had more of the courage to say, yeah, I only eat meat. And yeah, I know it's shocking, but it does a pretty good job for the body. Yeah. Yeah. I was been known to carry around a full can of something. (laughs) No one should pick it up or take it out of my hand. That would be wildly rude, but they won't say anything if I'm holding it either. So yeah, I would protect your piece in however you need to do it. So if you need to keep it on your plate or if you you know, don't care with having a few back and forth words with Aunt Sally. You can let her know. Similarly, what Cheryl said that, you know what, I'm just trying something new right now. I'll let you know how it goes in a month. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Cheryl, you brought up that you were going to touch upon cravings. Obviously, our clients, that's some of the biggest struggles they have. Can you touch? Can you tell me yeah, a little bit about what absolutely. you're going to say? I think some of the things that I see, and I'm sure Caitlin sees too in practice with cravings is, and I know this is a painful one to say, but you got to give it time. Time is one of the ones that's a little bit hard. Cravings don't go away overnight. Got to give it some time. Fattier cuts of meat and fat in general. That is huge. I would say that's the number one thing I see when people are still having cravings and they might be weeks or months or even over a year into carnivore and they're still saying like sugar is something they miss on the daily and crave it. You really got to up your fat. If you're high, try upping it a little more. And most people a lot of times are not eating the amount of fat they think they are. When we start to break it down on our one-on-one calls, what people thought was a lot of fat, I'm like, whoa, you're not even where we would recommend baseline. You know what I mean? So this is definitely not high fat carnivore right now. Um, So I would say, yeah, for sure fat. And managing your electrolytes can help with cravings. That can help with other things too. But managing your electrolytes is big and making sure you're drinking enough water. You know, are you hungry? Are you craving? Or are you actually... I don't even want to say thirsty, but are you actually dehydrated? We talk to a lot of clients that are actually dehydrated. Yeah. And and showing the symptoms of dehydration when you really break down their health concerns too. So I would say those are four of the main things we're seeing with cravings. And let me anything to add? Yeah. Yeah. I was telling Dr. Baker the last time we interviewed that a lot of people don't drink enough water on carnivore. And I think it's because we start doing the mantra of, eat when you're hungry, drink when you're thirsty. And that's good after a while, if you have an eyeball of what you're supposed to eat. So I definitely think you should track macros like the first week or so of 
when you start this diet, because how do you know what's sufficient meat? Your insulin is going to shift and all of a sudden you're not going to feel hungry. How do you know that's enough food? And once you have an idea, then yes, I eat until you're full, et cetera. But I think with hydration, when you're not eating the sugars and the salts, you're not as thirsty as you are on a standard American diet. So then people drink less water and the ramifications are that your kidneys, the way that it excretes the breakdown products of your amino acids from proteins is through hydration. And so I think that's where people get into trouble. It further exacerbates constipation. And so I think those are big things. And then a lot of people, especially my kids, they mix up their thirsty for that they are hungry. And so then they think it's a craving thing than rather So I always ask my older son, because he doesn't like drinking water, have you drank your glass of water yet before he grabs a bite to eat? So yeah, I think those are really good things. If I would piggyback off of the cravings and go into food variety, which is, you know, my next tip is eating a variety of food. So if just beef is not going to help you, if you are able to satiate a texture thing or just a new flavor thing with different cuts of meat or types of meat or seafood, chicken, eggs, those type of things may also help you sustain carnivore, but get over the cravings hump. So the more variety of foods that you're able to add in, if you tolerate it, I think the better and you know more sustainable this diet will be. It also makes sure that you're getting in those nutrients. So am I craving things or am I not nutrient deficient. So things like B vitamins or essential fatty acids that don't just come from when people are eating beef only, and we can incorporate the seafood, incorporate the pork and things of that nature, I think would help with cravings and sustainability as well. So Cheryl, I'm sure people are going to say, but I can't take in more fat, whether it's my gallbladder, my liver, I have loose stools as soon as I eat more high fat. So I can't do that. What would you say to that? I was just going to say, Caitlin, with the variety of meats, we're going to now get people saying, but I like, I can't tolerate this one, or I can't tolerate that one, or this is too much fat, or I think that's too much protein for me in one sitting. And listen, guys, when you transition with any diet, you're going to feel, you're probably going to feel benefits, right? I, I, we hear a lot, Caitlin, where we hear, I took five steps forward, but then I felt like I took seven or eight back. Right. And so that happens a lot with diets. As we get more and more restrictive, we feel better for a little while and then we feel worse. So usually when we're working with people, they have already felt better in some way, shape or form from carnivore, but something's not working. Right. Mm -hmm. Something's not clicking. So if it seems like a fat thing or we're kind of seeing gut trajectory across the board. Whether it be I get pain upper, I get pain lower, I have loose stool, I have constipation. We kind of see it all and hear it all. Literally see it sometimes, pictures. So I would say to that, guys, if it's a fat thing, we're thinking gallbladder. And I'm going to kind of get into a little bit of supplements here. You're likely going to need a little bit of bile acid support. So, you know, you could actually go into a health food store or go on the internet and there's bile, bile salts. You know, we have it. Also on our site, I prefer ours mainly because well, I know where the sourcing comes from, but also it's more of a low and slow. Um, you know, you go into a health food store or you go into or you go on the Internet, most bile salts are going to be 600 milligrams in one capsule. And it's kind of annoying to separate a capsule. We have to then order empty ones and then, you know, start shaking them out. Our, our, the one we work with, Beta Plus, that's only 125 milligrams per tablet. So you can start super slow and low and kind of find where your threshold is. So that's going to support fat digestion. And that is huge when you're going from a plate 
that likely for most of your life, however long it's taken you to get here, has had carbohydrates in some form and maybe even sugar at every meal in some form. And now you're going strictly to meat and protein. I mean, uh, meat and fat. So your fat intake is going to go way up inevitably. I highly doubt you were eating 70 to 75%, maybe even 80% of your calories fat on a more standard diet. So you might really need that bile salt support or gallbladder support. Some people do better from like gallbladder nutrient type things like artichoke and some of the herbs that support that bile secretion. And then also too, something that we see almost across the board is somewhere struggling with stomach acid. So there's a lot of things that make our stomach acid go low in the regular everyday world, right? So um, some of the the precursors that make stomach acid are B vitamins, zinc, adequate hydration. There we go again. And then just as you get older, right, your stomach acid goes down. Stress really takes a toll on stomach acid, right? We're breathing in pathogens every day. There's so many things that wear on our stomach acid. So now, again, you're going to a diet that's higher protein. And at the same time, you don't have enough stomach acid. You already didn't have enough stomach acid for the diet you were eating that didn't have enough protein. Now you're upping your protein and you're trying to get your body to break that all down in a day. So you're very likely going to need some stomach acid support, whether you take that in the form of straight HCL, hydrozyme that has some of the other digestive ingredients in it, or you you might be somebody that does better with bitters. All of those are great alternatives. And I think we even talk about it. There's been some articles you've put out and you've talked about it on podcasts. Sometimes some people can even do it with something as simple as apple cider vinegar. So it, it depends where you're coming from, where you're at in healing, but stomach acid is huge. Yeah, I, th- I think that the carnivore community, there is a subset that believes that meat fixes everything and it will heal a lot. But if you have gut imbalances, or if there are other things that are imbalanced, like I wouldn't just recommend if you're taking certain supplements, even before carnivore to then get off all of them, because magically your body will just assimilate all the meat naturally, and you'll be fine. There's just risks with doing that. And we see that a lot. So a lot of our clients will come to us, they've removed everything because that's what they've heard. And then they have to actually come back to some supplements because they are deficient or something's not functioning as well as it should. And so temporarily they need to get back and then they just have to be smarter in the way they get off some of the supplements. And it's a common theme we've seen. And it's just so taboo to talk about supplements because then people say, you're just a supplement pusher. You're, you're just trying to make money. And it's like, no, actually, I barely ever talk about supplements, but it's one of the biggest things that sell in our practice because people need it. And if you need supplements, there's nothing wrong with supporting yourself in the interim as you heal. Um, I just think it's this narrative that is in the carnivore space that isn't super ideal. Yeah, I think it's it's taking the burden off the body of having to do it all alone, right? Like we have no like we have no qualms about like hey Caitlin, I had a really bad day. Can you like help talk me out of this one? Like I'm ready to go nuts, right? But it's like, well, we'll reach out for help then. But it's like, I'm going to power through this and and it's just meat only and I'm going to carnivore harder. And sometimes it's like, hey, you've lived 45 years. Your stomach acid's a little low. Just take the burden off the body and you'll see your dose come down over time. You know what I mean? It just needs a little help. That's all. 
Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll put a links to a few of the supplements if people want to peruse and look. I do like our brand because it is practitioner grade, meaning that you can't just buy it on the streets. And Cheryl says we also know the sourcing of it. So, but anyways, I'll put that in the show notes if you are interested. One of the things that I wanted to bring up, um, it's similar to what Caitlin said is, you know, eat the rainbow or eat what you like. I think it's makes the diet itself is already hard as it is to give up everything other than eating meat. And I know we glorify it. And I think it's important to love what you're eating. But it is truth. Like, I think it's like, let's face the noise of it is hard to say that we are going to give up all of the celebrations in terms of the foods with everyone else that's partaking in birthday cakes, in alcohol, if you choose to not drink alcohol anymore, and all the other things that people do, right? Like someone created a new cake or a pie, and you're just not going to partake. And you, it is so human nature to want to be part of the community. So yes, you can muster in the future, and it's not going to bother you why, while everyone else is eating something and you're not partaking. But there is a sense of grieving. And I think as a carnivore community, we should be open to that and say, yes, it's going to suck that you have to give up everything else, but is it worth freedom in your life? And if we pivot it that way and then say, yes, but at least we're not forcing you to just eat lettuce, you get to eat yummy meats and fatty meats that are so the, you know, the tastiest foods, but there still is an element of, well, now I can never go get a a Sunday cone of ice cream with my kids. And, and while that grieving is there, I think if we acknowledge it, we can grieve it and then essentially basically move on rather than saying, no, I I, like meat is the best and it's the best food. So I just think that eat what you like. So don't worry about, wait, am I getting enough nutrition by just eating ruminant meat? Wait, do I need to eat liver? Do I need to eat fish because of the omegas? I think when you're initially starting or when you're getting back to this way of eating, you have to just eat what you want and not worry. Wait a minute. Deli meats have nitrates. Wait a minute. This is not enough fat. Wait, this. And then it's like all those rules make it so hard that you're just thinking, forget it. Like, this is just too difficult. Now I'm constipated. Is it this or that? Just I think the most important thing is to get off that sugar insulin roller coaster where you're not hangry anymore. And then you can figure out the nuances that you need to do to even improve this diet further. But I think the core message of eventually eating a variety and then the biggest one of eating what you enjoy is so key because I could never do this way of eating if I only could eat grass finished meats and wild salmon, et cetera. Because sometimes we eat deli meat, sometimes we eat McDonald's patties. And I know people are like, but I'm doing pretty well six years (laughs) into carnivore. So I think, I think it's just recognize that meat on the table is and any type of meat on the table with no added stuff is way better than not having meat at the table. But I think too, one thing I want to just jump in real quick on the variety of meats. And I find this on a lot of when I work one-on-one with people is where they feel like they're like, you know, salmon's not my favorite, so I don't really eat it at all. And like Judy said, if you really don't like salmon, don't eat it. I'm not here to talk salmon, but I say to people, well, you know, you don't have to like sit down to like 16 ounces of salmon (laughs) ribeye, right? Like you could have like a 12 ounce ribeye and like a four ounce little, almost like a little, like that surf and turf. It's like your cute little broccoli size, but it's your salmon side. And people are like, oh, wow. I never really thought of it like that. I'm like, yeah, just do that like a few times a week. You know what I mean? Like 
you don't have to sit down. The same thing, like if they're going to try to incorporate a little bit of chicken liver here and there for, you know, whatever health reasons, have like an ounce here or there. That's like a bite. You know what I mean? You don't have to sit down to like a filet of liver. Just add it in to the stuff that you love about carnivore, you know? Right. Don't like ruin it for yourself because you're, that's that's something I find with some people where they're like, man, when I eat that like 12 ounce piece of salmon, I'm like, oh, what, what you're eating? A, you don't have to eat a 12 ounce piece of salmon, <laughs> you know? But even gets like that with beef over and they're like, I'm so sick of eating beef. I'm like, please. Bring something else in as long as you can tolerate it, even if it's on the side, like a little chicken salad or an egg salad. Maybe you need something cold and not hot anymore. Like things are just getting very redundant and that's totally normal. I wouldn't be able to eat the same thing every day. I eat the same things most days, but not every day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I had a friend that started carnivore not too long ago and she really missed having chicken salads and like egg salads, but didn't know that you could, well, you could obviously make bacon mayo, but it's not as good as obviously the like avocado mayos. And so I just said, why don't you get avocado mayo with no seed oils? Or I know people will say avocado oil sometimes uses seed oils, but generally if you buy the higher quality brands of the avocado oil mayo, I think it's fine. I know it's technically not carnivore, but still it's that balance of you know, can this be more sustainable? And she tried it and it saved her from eating other junk foods. So now she's eating egg salads and chicken salads with nothing else other than the meat and a little bit of that avo mayo. And it's made a huge difference because she told me she really missed mayo. So there's things that you can do. It's sure you could define it as not perfect carnivore, but who's better than turning to cakes and pastries or stopping for salad. I make like a mock mayo with Mm -hmm. raw egg yolk and turkey fat. Oh, okay. Okay, That's like the bacon mayo. Yeah. Turkey fat is a weird one. Like at fridge temperature where you're supposed to keep it, it's still like soft and buttery, almost like tallow is at room temperature. So it's soft to work with. It's not like a hard block that you're trying to like whip. I think duck fat's the same too. <clears throat> yeah. A little softer. Yep. Yeah. So I guess yeah, there's other options that you can do. It's, and I think for me, I'm very boring with my food. So I just can eat leftovers <laughs> and I could eat, as long as there's variety, I can eat carnivore long-term in that sense. But for some people, they need more than that. So that's where there's so many recipes online, creative recipes that are just carnivore. So you can do that. Just figure out what you need to be consistent. And I think that's so important with instead of the, I need to eat only this kind, do this and that, because that's where then people start getting in their head of, I'm not being perfect enough. And that's why I'm not seeing results when that's not necessarily true. Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. I wanted yeah, to- and this would be more for the people that are like starting carnivore or trying carnivore. Like if you don't feel well and you're eating a variety, like you may have to go down, right. but it's, you know, if you're not here or you can't sustain this only eating beef, then it's like, okay, you may need to expand your 
your options a little bit. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that's where the food and mood journal comes in is so important. I think long-term tracking macros is not going to fix what's going on. That's imbalanced in you. Let's say you're still having loose stools. I think food and mood journals, just tracking, what did you eat? What's your mood after what's your like stools, your mindset, bowels, any emotions or physical feelings you're feeling. If you track it, I'll put in our show notes, our free food and mood journal, but that supplement or that meat is making me have loose stools every time I eat it, or it might be a, a day after, but you'll start noticing trends because every time I ask a client, what did you eat for lunch yesterday or the day before they don't remember because that's how quickly we forget. So we may think we're not healing on carnivore, but if you look at your symptom tracker, you'll see benefits. And so that's why I know it's a pain and it's annoying, but if you do a food and mood journal, even for two weeks, you can get a lot of good data and then you'll know what is really making me sensitive or not, or actually this, although I don't love eating salmon, maybe I do include two ounces or three ounces because I do notice I have less loose stools right after that. I mean, or something salmon. like that. We right. Salmon today. <laughs> um, Caitlin, let me ask you. So obviously you, you lift and you move a lot. I always have the wrong terminologies, but I pick things up and I put them down. Yeah, you lift heavy things up and put them down. You lift a lot of heavy things. So one of the biggest questions we get is, but I'm an athlete and I can't eat this way because when I go to the gym, then I feel that I can't lift heavier. And the, I know N equals ones are so different than the research, but the research shows that there's a nocebo effect, meaning that if you believe you can't lift because you didn't have a carb, you will not lift. So like, that's the power of the mind. And we're just doing this in the mind body program, but there's a part called the reticular activating system. And that part of the brain basically helps you hyper-focus on one thing. So let's say, for example, you're about to buy a white car. And then now all you notice on the street is that same white car. That's the RAS in, in play. And so I think if we believe now that I'm not eating carbs, my athletic training, if that's what it's called is diminishing, it's going to happen because you believe that, right? You make it true. So Caitlin, what have you seen? And obviously you work with some of our athletes or the people that are more athletic, you know, what, what are some tips for people that believe that obviously they shouldn't believe that, but what, what have you seen? If you're changing your diet drastically, then you may notice a difference in like sleep, electrolytes, things of that nature. All of those things may impact your performance. So if you're coming from, you know, a standard American diet, you may need to, or may benefit from doing something like a deload week. Like don't mid marathon training, be like, I'm a cold Turkey, change my food and I'm going to feel great. Or my training is going to look the same. So be realistic. If you're going to run 22 miles the next day. And then you're like, I'm also going to just eat meat, even though I've never done that before. Your digestive system is likely not going to be able to handle that. And you may feel that at mile 10 on your marathon. So be realistic with how you're changing things and when you're changing things and do it slowly. So if you've never eaten a high fat diet, you know, maybe you might get some hiccups doing certain things. I've never been impacted lifting while switching to a carnivore diet. I was eating a variety of meats. I didn't have to go from standard American diet to beef only. So I did keep a number of things in. What was slightly impacted was my body was not adapted to the amount of fat I was eating. So running was a little bit hard. I'd get like a stomach ache. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to pull off on running. I didn't have to stop um, lifting or those things. So it took about a month for my stomach to kind of get over a hurdle of feeling a little bit of a knot while hitting mile two. And I didn't know 
why it was happening. It would just, so I pulled off of that personally. You might not have to do it. I probably switch a little bit too quick to a high fat diet. So like I said, I wasn't eating that amount of fat before. So depending on what you're coming from, you may actually, you know, benefit from starting the diet more slower or implementing digestive supports. I did none of that. So I probably would have benefited from supporting my body in some kind of way while being able to keep up, you know, what I was doing before. But in terms of lifting, I never had a dip in strength or anything like that. Something commonly that we do see with clients is their electrolytes will go or they will not replenish their electrolytes. We already talked about them not being as thirsty on a carnivore diet. And they'll say that, like, I'm not thirsty. I'm like, well, were you drinking water before you started carnivore? You likely need to still drink water on carnivore, whether you feel thirsty or not. So one recommendation would definitely be to make sure you're drinking enough and make sure you're getting in enough electrolytes. So maybe trying Soleil water, which would just be like concentrated salt water, I always say, and taking a little bit of that throughout the day. So sipping water throughout the day and making sure you're hydrated before your lifts may greatly benefit you. If you don't have balanced macros or your sleep is affected because you haven't really perfected the diet yet, you might notice that your performance isn't as good, but that could be from the lack of sleep or maybe it's in your head. Like if I have a rough night of sleep, I'm always like, oh, that's not going to feel good. You know, if I do legs in the morning, that's my own fault. Like I didn't have to wake up and say that I could have just seen what happened in the gym. So definitely don't put it out in the atmosphere that this is going to affect your training. Make sure you're eating enough. Make sure you're eating sufficient macros maybe throughout the day and then definitely get in your electrolytes. And if you're going for muscle maintenance or muscle growth, eating protein three times a day that we talk about often would greatly benefit you. Yeah, no, I think those are really good words. I'm going to try to wrap up this right now. I think a lot of these tips were really beneficial, but I think the big thing that we see with our clients is trusting the process. Obviously, we I was saying this in one of our group calls, but we have a thriving practice because carnivore doesn't always work perfectly, right? If carnivore was so easy, people buy my book or, or join other programs or read all the online stuff and then bam, it's so easy. You don't need a manual to know how much to eat or and what kinds of foods to eat. It's just meat and fatty meats. So, but knowing that, are we have a full client list. We've worked with nearly 2000 clients and patients that are carnivore or carnivore meat-based and it doesn't work perfectly. So I think people need to understand that everything we see, the glorification of healing stories, the ones that are amazing, miraculous stories are the ones that will be shared more. And then it's very easy to then compare and say, how come I'm not getting that? How come I'm six months more into it than that person? And I don't even look half the same as them. And I think we have to have grace for ourselves and understand that we all have a different journey. And that I think what the healing stories, I think, honestly, even including mine, it's just those healing stories are a little bit more unicorn and rainbows than the average person that heals. So I just want people to not say six months in this diet doesn't work. I'm leaving because I don't see the benefits of influencer a, and the thing is they might struggle with other things that they don't show physically, right? A lot of chronic illness is invisible. So I say, just stay the course, work on refining things. And sometimes it's beyond the diet, unfortunately, but I wanted to ask you guys the importance of community. So we do have a carnivore group now. We also have a SIRS and mind body, but this is specific for carnivore, but we find so many benefits with doing this not alone. I think if I did carnivore by myself, because my husband and kids at that time were not carnivore, um, it was lonely. And 
thankfully I met friends online that helped me carry through the journey of carnivore. And now that my kids are meat-based, it makes it so much easier. But what have you guys seen with clients and the importance of community? I think when you join a community, it's really refreshing because, you know, you might show up weekly or monthly or whatever, and you might bring your questions to the table, but you have so many more questions that ruminate in your head and you don't always say them out loud. And then you join a group call or you join a community and you're like, man, you know, Aunt Susie, I'm going to call Aunt Susie again. Aunt Susie has those other questions that I forgot I even had. And so she's dealing with the same thing. So I'm really excited to hear this response. And maybe I'll even see if Aunt Susie wants to get like a chat going with me afterwards. It's it's so refreshing to know that like other people have the same thoughts and are having the same struggles and it's not individual to you and you're not the only one that it's not working perfect for. I think the people that it's not working perfect for are more common than the ones that it is working perfect for. I think that's great. Caitlin, what do you see with the importance of community? I think you've worked with a couple of people where the couple isn't always aligned and it causes upheaval, but what have you seen when they are aligned, I guess? Right. So it's definitely a challenge when you are feeling alone in your day-to-day life, whether your family or spouse does not agree with your way of eating, your friends think you're crazy and things like that. It's You might have to outsource that community or go looking for like-minded people, but they're out there. We're out there. So you just have to might find your people and it might not be you know in your immediate bubble or in your town. And you might not be able to change some of your friends' minds, but that shouldn't be your responsibility or your goal. You just might need to do a little extra work and finding people that are like-minded because that experience of talking to someone who you don't have to explain yourself to or who also understand or are listening makes the biggest difference. It's the difference between you, you know, feeling like you can wake up and like continue on this way over, you know, waking up and being like, should I even bother today? Because, you know, everyone thinks I'm crazy and this can't possibly be the right thing for me. So, you know, I didn't, everyone still thinks I'm crazy in my immediate bubble, but I have Cheryl, I have Judy, guess what my family just did to me or guess what they said. But, you know, over time, you'll get more and more people even close to you start to be like, oh, you know what, that is working for them. But it takes you getting the confidence from like-minded people or, you know, feeling good about yourself because, you know, you did talk to Susie and she's going through the same thing. And it's that extra pep in your step that might get the people who aren't on board with you right now on board with you. And maybe you don't even need that. But I think finding like-minded people will make the difference in like how you feel, say, today. Yeah, I think of community as if we were all in a dark room and we all had our candles, it's not like, or our lights, it's not like if we give our light to someone else, we lose some of our own light, we have just more light. And I think the power of community is when we have hard days, which is very normal in life, we will have someone that has the journey that can say, it's okay, I've been there. And you can get over this. Whereas if you tell someone that you're struggling with carnivore in your immediate community, they'll say, I told you that diet is bad for you. But if you share it with somebody that's maybe a month more carnivore than you, or just starting at the same time, they could say, Hey, I've been through that too. I actually did this and this helped me. And so it gives you that encouragement when you need it. It gives you that light when you need it. And I think that's the importance of community. You could join ours, you can join or be on social media one, but it's, 
it's the importance of community that either also gives you longevity and it's just what will really enrich your souls. And I think that's the most important thing when you make change in Atomic Habits, James Clear, he says that when people want to change, they have to change the environment. They gave an example of these military people were doing a lot of drugs and they were really afraid that when they got back, that they would do their drugs again. And they found that almost everyone stopped doing the drugs once they came back home. And so the opposite becomes true too. So if you're in a toxic environment, then you go to therapy and you heal and you go to some camp and you do a lot of healing and then you come back and it's the same environment you left when you were sick. The chance of you falling back into it is high. I remember as I was going through my eating disorder therapy, every time I went back to my parents' house, I had the urge to binge. And I think it's because that's where it was so bad. And over time, it got better. But it's just if you know that your community or your environment is not the best, then you have to find community, a new community or a new environment that will help you thrive. And it's these little things that we don't think about when we're like, how do we change our life or how do we do a new diet? But these small things actually support your entire life to do better. And so I think a lot of the things we shared were just tidbits that we see help benefit our community and our clients. If you like a lot of what we shared, uh, Caitlin and Cheryl lead our office hours, which is basically individualized care in our Carnivore Journey group. And you can also join our community group. There's a lot more information. I'll put that in show notes. But I hope this conversation just helps you understand that there's just nuance sometimes with doing carnivore long-term. And sometimes it's just simplicity and figuring out what makes best sense for you. Okay, guys, make sure to eat a lot of meat and take care of your bodies. We will talk to you later. Bye guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.